Hello, everyone, and thanks again for joining another episode of the Patient Convert podcast. I have Ben Blake with me from Systeme Medical. And of course, my guest host, who always joins sometimes, <laughs> Justin. So, hey, Ben, everybody. introduce yourself. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me, Kelly. My name is Ben. Currently, I'm a sales and marketing manager for an IT company that works specifically for medical practices. So, and I'm based out of the Dallas, Texas area. We have a lot of liaisons, I know, in the Dallas, Texas area. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining. So Ben's coming to talk today all about, you know, his role as a physician liaison, but even more importantly, how surgeons should market their specialty, how they can use IT, how IT incorporates. So I just wanted to kind of open the door to our listeners and let them know that this world of healthcare marketing involves so many different avenues. I mean, what do you think, Justin? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think one of the pivotal things over the years, it's been a struggle for us that I'm excited about having been on today is the IT side of this world and the value and the just outright necessity of having really, really good IT infrastructures and what it can do for your marketing, your physician referral development, and obviously the growth and security of of the practice and PHI. So tell us a little bit kind of of your journey, Ben, because it kind of relates. You came out of the kind of physician liaison world. And so tell us a little bit kind of about your journey and what led you to Systeme today. Yeah, so I actually started, this was back a while ago. I was going to school in St. George, Utah. I was going to Dixie State University. And I had a practice reach out to me that was based out of the New Mexico, northern New Mexico market. They had a physician liaison with them. I think they called her title was like community relations coordinator at the time. She was working with them and she got promoted to actually go and join a marketing agency that did social media, websites, um, SEO, all that fun stuff. And so she took that role. It was a pretty large media group that took her on. And there is just a solo location practice, two providers. It was in the specialty of podiatry. And they reached out and was like, hey, we have this opening. Is this something you might be interested in? I was going to school at the time for marketing. And I was like, yeah, sure. Let me finish this uh, semester and I'll be right there. And so that's kind of what I did. And I told them, I was like, you know, what? I have no experience in the healthcare space. I have no experience in marketing a medical practice. I have no idea where to start, what to do. And they said, don't worry, our current physician liaison, she's going to, even though she's not going to be working with us, she's going to kind of onboard you and give you some tools. So don't worry about it. And so I was like, sweet. So I, I joined this practice when I started. I mean, I had kind of a fresh outlook on and really no insight on even where to get started. Turned out the physician liaison that they had later became unreachable. So I had zero guidance. And so many can relate. To that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I had no clue what to do. So we looked out and, and found some additional resources. We were a part of a group called Top Practices. It's, a, it's widely known in the podiatry field. And they had a kind of a marketing foundation that I kind of built everything on. And they kind of broke the marketing down for practices down into four pillars, online marketing, internal marketing, external marketing. And then usually the most profitable and overlooked is referral or shoe leather marketing. And as a physician liaison, that referral side is a big part of what you do. So I got a lot of resources from that group. I actually ended up getting some advanced training from a 
medical device and pharmaceutical sales rep training program that was based out of the New Jersey and New York area. And I went and did some shadowing training uh, that kind of lasted over a year, around a year time frame, while I was like learning what to do for this practice and really developing a background in marketing for that practice and a structure and foundation to bring in patients, help them grow. They wanted to grow their market. They wanted to add physicians. And that's exactly what we did. So I, I took that solo practice, applied everything I knew from a physician liaison side, was creative, met with other physician liaisons and got their feedback. And we ended up growing that practice to seven locations in New Mexico. We ended up taking that and making that a national brand that was across multiple different states. And I later became the director of operations of that. I mean, starting as a physician liaison with zero experience, becoming a marketing director and managing the physician liaisons and training them. And then, I mean, really running the operational side of that business. So ever since I've still stuck in the medical field, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of room for opportunity as a physician liaison. I've seen a lot of physician liaisons and I've even hired physician liaisons that have kind of already been working from a practice side, whether it's like a medical assistant or receptionist, um, sometimes even a nurse that transition over to that physician liaison side, but then also people that have no experience or some experience or even medical device sales reps sometimes go into that physician liaison role. Um, a lot of specialty practices hire physician liaisons. A lot of hospital systems do as well. Um, and it's something that kind of has a lot of opportunity depending on where you want to take it. Yeah, definitely. And I can totally relate to what you're saying. I started just like you. There really wasn't a training platform or book when I joined as a physician liaison. I joined the largest ENT practice in the Southeast. And I was kind of thrown to the wolves and I totally relate to what you're saying. And you kind of pick up training tidbits from here or there, or other liaisons. And then you have to, you know, push yourself to create a new platform, a new program and a new process. So I definitely relate to what you were going through. You know, we were in charge of, I had to open new locations, new practices, onboard new physicians and I think that's so interesting that you brought that up is that when you're a liaison, you don't always know kind of what you're doing and you kind of have to go with the flow and you have to, you know, just jump right in and, and really learn. And it's so important to use resources for training and network yourself with other individuals in the healthcare space to get advice, to get feedback so you can create these new processes in marketing. So I love hearing your journey. I totally relate and I know so many listeners out there right now, whether they're just starting as liaison, once become a liaison, or have been a liaison, are probably saying, oh my gosh, I have so been there. <laughs> you just don't always have the answers, but all the responsibility of building these programs. But I know that was super rewarding for you, I'm sure, to watch all your hard work and grow and open these new locations and, and expand the brand. Yeah. And another thing to touch on too, from a physician liaison side is I also, after working with that group, I moved on and worked with a otolaryngology and an immunotherapy group, and then later joined a neurology and pain management group. Um, as a physician liaison, the tactics, and once you get it, can be applied to really any specialty in any medical practice in any location at any size. It's definitely all about your network too. Exactly. Exactly. But a big piece and kind of success as a liaison, I, I kind of attribute to is knowing your numbers, knowing data, and then acting on, on those results. So if you're seeing um, 
some of your physician liaison actions or activities are proving to be successful by increase in patients, increase in referrals and volume. I think looking at the data side and, and making actions based on data is crucial, but can really lead to long-term success. Oh, that is exactly the truth. I know Justin and I, that was a big part of what I teach in my liaisons is you have to know your numbers. This is so much more than being a happy, smiley, bubbly personality and having charisma and you know, being responsible, you have to know your numbers, you have to dive in and you have to approach this on an analytical approach as well. And and getting that information is so important. So what do you think with your background as a physician liaison, how has it guided your career in healthcare and where you are today? Yeah. So, I mean, when I started as a physician liaison, I love it and I do it tomorrow. If someone wanted me to be a physician liaison, I wouldn't want to leave the group that I'm with, but, um, it's something that you can do long-term. So I loved it. What, what it kind of showed me was training and developing physician liaisons was awesome. And then going on and opening locations and, and adding new groups, working with new specialties. I really loved the operational side of running medical practices. And one of my pieces, again, no experience as an operational director for a medical practice. One of my big challenges that I came across was starting a call center and the technology side of the medical practice. It's something that's usually often overlooked and a lot of pieces in there require a ton of skill and a lot of back-end support. And I mean, opening this call center required a lot of technology. From a patient-facing view, technology is huge. I mean, when a patient calls in or even finds the practice from the beginning, they look you up on the website. Website has a big technology piece to it. When they get your phone number and they call you, that phone call is answered most likely by someone over a voice over IP phone um, or some type of PBX system that they're running. And if that phone's not ringing or, or an office isn't able to pick up, I mean, that's a big IT problem. When a patient comes in and pays their copay, I mean, technology is touching every single piece in the practice and kind of having a poor technology infrastructure can really affect not just the patient side, but also the staff and cause a lot of staff frustrations. It's also a big role in working as a physician liaison and generating referrals, making sure you're able to capture those, making sure you're able to report on those and that your EMR is able to talk with running these reports. And so it's all really involved. Yeah, absolutely. It really is. And that's kind of a perfect segue into kind of talking about the healthcare IT side and and what y'all do over at Systeme. And as you mentioned, it's such a, through our whole journey has been kind of a thing that I think that practices struggle with the most, even the basic levels of, of reporting and, and, and data analysis and and trying to pull actual usable numbers out of their EHR. And, and with that, and when it comes to the kind of healthcare IT and all the things that you even talked about already, what do you think are kind of the biggest shortfalls that you typically see practices either not addressing or not kind of utilizing in, in most instances when you all do an audit and kind of walk into a situation? Yeah. So to kind of step back, Systeme was founded about 14 years ago and it grew off of an internal, it was an internal IT team, I should say, that worked for a large retina practice here in Texas. The retina group grew substantially and so did that IT team. And the amount of resources it takes from an IT perspective to run a practice is a lot. And when you're doing it for one practice, if you have all of those tools, you have all of those resources 
and people to run that IT infrastructure for one group, you most likely can do it for another. And so that's what Sistine did. They grew from a large retina practice internal in-house IT team, and then they took that out of that practice. They continued to service them, and they then started servicing other specialty medical practices. That's kind of how Sistine grew. When you talk about shortfalls in the healthcare IT space is, a practice administrator, and then I'm, I'm going to kind of talk on a practice administrator, um, and some practice administrators act as a physician liaison for their practice. But a practice administrator is kind of like the catch-all or like the bucket for everything for that practice. If there's an employee problem, if there's something going on with the treatment room, um, or going into this big piece of technology, if there's something wrong with the technology, usually that falls on the practice administrator. And we act as a resource to that practice administrator or to that in-house IT team, making sure that they have everything that they need to operate as a successful medical practice so that it doesn't affect their patients and so that staff and the providers are using technology that works well, runs well, and is reliable. And so I think one of the biggest shortfalls is not having someone to cover or catch any of those IT problems and concerns when it comes to a practice. And we see that way too often where we've even been, been approached as a, as a marketing firm, to try to help point them in the right direction. Because uh, I, I mean, I would imagine when you have an IT problem and you don't have, you're either not large enough or you haven't established an in-house IT team, you've got to feel absolutely like the building is burning down and on top of that, completely isolated and on your own. <laughs> like, how do you fix that? And so that I think is a really valid thing is like just literally having someone to be there for you when those problems indefinitely arise. Yeah. And so that's, that's really how Systeme operates. So we're, we're operating on a back end of making sure that a practice's IT infrastructure is being maintained and monitored 24-7. So when that practice administrator checks out for the day and there's no one in the office, and something happens to that internet in, at 5 a.m. before clinic starts, we're there, we're monitoring that, and we're getting that fixed before they ever even know about it. But then also on that front end, as problems arise, we're giving the practice the ability to call us 24-7 for anything that they need related to IT. So we're, we provide full vendor support and help desk support for the entire practice. So when, when you've got a medical practice, I mean, you've got all the phones and the, and the workstations that are involved in a practice, but a lot of practices, specifically specialists, have a lot of other tools that they have, whether that be MRIs, x-rays, um, ultrasounds. There's a lot of equipment, too, all of it being IT-based. We provide all of that support. So if they have any problem at any time, we're giving them someone to rely on so that they don't have that stress kind of over them all the time, but also giving them relief and showing them that support, I mean, when they need it most. Because it's expensive. When, when a practice is down from an IT perspective, um, it, it's, a, it's a big cost that a lot, I think a lot of practices maybe don't realize. But back in, back in 2017, there's a group called, I think it's called Medhost, that did a report on what the cost per provider when your network's down for a, for a private practice. And they estimated at $634 at a minimum per hour per provider. So for a five-provider practice, just being down an hour, it's over $3,000, which oftentimes is way more than it would cost for IT services for a practice of that size for that entire month. 
Yep. Yeah. That's a good point is it's, it's well worth the investment to prevent it than try to figure it out once it's happened. Exactly. And another point that we talk about with IT, and we've talked a little bit, even in the referral marketing side, as well as patient efficiency is a lot of physicians and practices and and liaisons and admins aren't utilizing their EMR to their best ability or just don't understand the opportunities an EMR can provide as far as collecting information, working strategically, how to follow these patterns, referral trends, who's referring you know, revenue collected, what are the top procedures? And I talk a lot with my students about how your EMR can be such an amazing asset for your practice, of course, in the physician liaison side, but even the marketing side. And like you said, even the way of just keeping in touch with these patients and helping support your staff. So my question for you, Ben, is what are the most underutilized parts of an EMR that most practices are missing? Yeah, so I think a big piece is one, the reporting side and making sure you have the reports set up to give you not just information, but valid information. I've, I've seen many times where a practice will have these reports built, finding how many patients they have coming in, but then they see these numbers, but then if you really dig deep into it, it the report's set up wrong and it's giving you skewed information. Right. Yeah. So I think the reporting side, all EMRs have some type of reporting, some of them easier to create than others. And one of the EMRs that we work a lot with is NextGen. I mean, setting up a report in NextGen, if, if you have zero experience or have never been in there before, and as a, even as a physician liaison, because a lot of these practices, if they're bringing on a physician liaison, most likely don't have these reports set up. And these reports that you act on as a physician liaison, where you've got providers that are referring patients, the type of patients, the quantity, how frequent, those reports, I mean, can really play a big part in your success as a physician liaison. And so especially creating those marketing plans too. Exactly. Exactly. So I think a piece that's usually underutilized or sometimes maybe not underutilized, but could definitely have some improvement in um, in creating some maybe some more accurate reports. I think reporting's a big piece. Another piece is the patient portal. Um, Most practices have a patient portal. Most practices have a patient portal set up. Most practices don't give any training to their staff on how to use the patient portal, which causes a lot of frustration and confusion on the patient side. And then most practices also don't know how to kind of customize and deploy that patient portal um, if they don't have it deployed. And so I think patient portal is a big piece where I mean, deploying it could, I mean, sometimes really cause a lot of damage to a practice. If they're sending out all these invites to patients, patients are getting them, then they don't know how to log in. They call the staff. The staff don't know what to do. That's kind of looking at kind of like the nightmare side of a patient portal. But if it's set up properly, a patient portal can actually save a lot of time on the back end where patients then don't have to call in to see their appointments that they already have set up. They don't have to call in to get their medical records because they're right there. They don't need to take time away from staff to pay a bill because they can do that through the patient portal. So I think reports and patient portal is probably some of the biggest pieces from an EHR side. Yeah. The reports are so true. And you mentioned they can be skewed and it's really important, like you said, having this information optimized for not only liaisons, but the physicians themselves, they really need a comprehensive view of what's going on in the practice and patient portals, especially during COVID. I can't stress enough how important it is to have those 
Yeah. And I mean, another piece too is specifically with the times that we're in, you've got telemedicine. And I know there's a lot of practices that have had telemedicine set up, but weren't using it, didn't have it deployed to patients, didn't know how to use it, didn't even know where to start. And so um, trying to figure that out all yourself can sometimes be really challenging for a practice. And so having an outside resource to set that up for you, get it customized for your practice and make sure it's integrated with, with everything can be crucial. I mean, definitely with these, with the times that we're in. So, yeah, I, I completely agree. What would you kind of looking at the other side, which it can be kind of a scary word. I know it's what keeps a lot of practice owners up at night and that y'all deal with a lot is really the compliance side and with HIPAA and just so many factors at play, the security concerns with PHI and all of that. What do y'all either that you're doing or when you do an audit that you often see as kind of the biggest offenders or things from a compliance standpoint that practices really kind of need to be focused on or, or be aware of? One, when choosing an IT company, there's thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of IT companies out there. Oh yeah. And as a medical practice, you want to make sure that your IT provider specializes in medical IT and sometimes even in your specialty. Just like as a oh, yeah. patient, when a patient's going and looking for someone, if they need an ankle replacement, their primary care physician's not going to do that. They want to find a specialist. Um, and that specialist is going to be the right solution for that patient. Same thing when choosing your IT provider. And you don't want to work with an IT provider that hasn't worked with another medical practice uh, because there's a lot involved from a medical side. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of stuff from a compliance standpoint, but also making sure that you're protecting that practice from some of these threats that face the medical industry. And so that's something that we're really big on is making sure that the practices are protected, but also have the resources they need to stay compliant. And so one thing that I see that's really big from a, from a kind of a threat or a concern to look at in a medical practice is phishing emails. I'm sure most people may be familiar with what a phishing email is, but what a phishing email is is when some outside threat sends an email kind of masked as like an HR department or as a CEO. And they're asking you to either click on something, which is download, which is going to download threat onto that computer, or they're asking you to do something like go buy some gift cards and call us and um, provide that information or getting you to reply or forward that email. So I think the biggest thing in practice is phishing emails Definitely phishing emails. Um, another piece is maybe publishing too much information online. Or so like, so like one thing that we look at is for all of our practices, we do not recommend that they have an email listed on their website or that they have personal emails listed for the staff. That's a, that's a kind of a big red flag practices that are listing their emails for the doctors, for the staff kind of open themselves up to more threats. Another thing is, uh, I mean, just making sure that you, you have someone, I mean, again, this when it comes to IT is making sure you have someone looking over your shoulder, making sure that you're taking the right steps to protect the practice is huge. And there's, there's so many things to look for. Practices should be getting HIPAA SRAs every single year. And so should their business associates. And so like as an IT company, we get we do a HIPAA SRA for our company. We do audits, we do pen tests, so penetration tests where we hire someone to kind of come in and break in or see if there's any, any gaps in our infrastructure as an IT company. 
and we, we take extra steps to protect practices. We have, we have an employee that's dedicated just to the HIPAA compliance and security measures for medical practices. That's his only role. That's all he does. Um, and so we have those resources, but I think practices, there's so much that they're open to as far as threats. And when a threat does hit or something does occur, if that does happen to a practice, they're extremely costly and sometimes devastating to that practice and require closure. Oh, for sure. I, I, I completely agree. And I like the point that you brought up because what we talk about all the time and our decision to do specialization from an agency standpoint, not just in healthcare, but just in medical. And like you were talking about with IT is the medical space is so very, very, very unique and presents it just whole, it's the whole ecosystem is so unique that I think it's really critical when you're engaging with somebody, especially on the IT side, that all they do, all they live and breathe is this ecosystem because there's so many different things that can trip you up or cause issues. And like you said, it just can be absolutely devastating to the point of causing you to have to shut down for compliance issues. Mm -hmm. And a a good resource too to mention, this is something that we use internally, but I'd also recommend it to practices, is we we use a group called Know Before. Um, So K-N-O-W, B, just the letter B, and then four. This is a resource, again, like I said, we use it internally. We recommend a lot of our practices use it. It's some of the best training from a protection and HIPAA training out there for practices. It's really affordable. We do it every four months as a, as a team here at Systeem. Uh, we recommend practices do it at least at time of hire and one more time throughout that year, so at least twice a year. But um, that's, an, that's another resource that practices could potentially look into as far as training their staff. When it comes to IT, Ben, when do you think these practices and physicians and healthcare systems need to outsource their IT? Yeah, so a lot of physicians, at least kind of looking at the smaller side of practices, you've got practices that are trying to do it themselves where the physician or the practice administrators kind of juggling a lot of balls, but trying to handle the IT themselves. And then you have these larger groups that will sometimes have one or multiple people that are handling that IT, and we call that in-house IT. Mm-hmm kind of when it gets to a point when we see practices come to us when they need IT is usually when it's when they've had a breach, they've had ransomware, they've had an IT problem or an IT, an IT fire in their practice and they're looking for help. We encourage practices do that before that fire happens so that we have the fire extinguishers in place to put it out faster so it doesn't do more damage. So for these smaller practices, when it should be, I mean, as soon as it's requiring someone's attention for more than an hour a week is when they should really look into, you know what, maybe we should, we should hire an IT resource. For these larger practices, we work with practices that have an in-house IT team and they continue to have that IT team. We act as kind of a third party to them, auditing that team, making sure that team isn't missing anything, but also making sure that team has all the tools they need to run that practice. So when is kind of a, I mean, practices are all at different stages, stages. And like I said, most of them come when there's that fire, when they should look for an IT resource is when they get to a point where it's too much for them. They don't know what they're doing. It's consuming time. And usually when it's, when they're at that point, they're letting them, they're opening the door to attacks, to breaches, um, and to a lot of wasted resources if they're not working with an expert. 
or taking yeah. up too much time, like you said. Yeah. How do you, and I'd be, I'm really curious about this answer because I, I, I think it's so important um, to kind of work together, but us living kind of in the marketing side, I think one of the things that is most difficult in the healthcare marketing specific space, as opposed to say like e-commerce or marketing, the automobile industry, like car dealerships, those kind of things. A lot of that is extremely linear as far as like leads come in, they enter your CRM, they live inside of that CRM. You can easily track like customer lifetime value and the ROI on your marketing initiatives. But in healthcare, you have an EMR that kind of breaks that chain of command, so to speak. So you lose a lot of data. So I'd be curious kind of what y'all do to help from a marketing standpoint or how marketing teams should be kind of approaching their IT departments to work together to provide as much fluidity, attribution, and kind of transparency so they can get a kind of a hold on what's working and what's not. Yeah. So one, I see physician liaisons need access to a lot of reports to, to operate. Physician liaisons also with those reports sometimes have a lot of patient information and also a lot of provider, referring provider information. The physician liaisons also are usually leaving the practice the most um, and sometimes taking some of that information with them, whether that be in paper form or on their tablet or laptop. That's a big piece is as a physician liaison, making sure that you have all the information that you need, but the information that you have and that those reports that you've gathered are in a secure format, um, are encrypted, are password protected, um, are in a place where if your laptop's stolen, they can be recovered and the person that steals that doesn't have access to, to receive those. So I think there's that side, but then there's also the side of, is your IT in place to maintain just your IT infrastructure or is it there to improve that patient experience? And I think IT can play a big role in improving that patient experience by providing, I mean, patients with a Wi-Fi, by providing patients with a patient portal, access to telemedicine, um, access to a, to a friendly phone system or a phone greeting uh, when patients call in. So I think the IT it plays a role in also improving that patient experience substantially. Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it definitely does. And like you said, the patient engagement side is so important. And we've talked a lot about this recently, but marketing can do everything that they can to grow the brand, grow visibility, um, drive in new patients to the website and get them converted and, and try to get them to book appointments. And the IT side and that patient engagement side you alluded to can fall flat. And then it's just wasted money because if they can't book, if it's not seamless, if it turns patients off, then all of your marketing investment and everything you're trying to do is just for not. Mm -hmm. And one thing, one more thing that I do want to touch on there that, that I didn't think about until um, you were talking was physician referrals. Referrals in a practice are huge. And when you get a referral or in order to receive a referral, you want to make sure that that referral process for that physician, for that referral coordinator, whoever's referring the patient to your practice, you want to make sure that it's as easy as possible for them to refer, but it's also as seamless and is actually working. Where if you're providing them a fax number, you want to make sure that you're receiving those faxes. But technology, there's a big, there's a big push right now from a referral standpoint to getting referrals through other systems or other uh, pieces of transportation than through fax. And so 
there's a lot of room right now for growth in the IT, in the medical IT for encouraging physicians to refer and giving them technology to make those referrals digitally. Where I've seen some physician liaisons where they're given like a tablet and they give a tablet that has those referral forms and they give it to that provider. They give it to that referral coordinator. And that clinic, when they're referring a patient, all they have to do is put in the patient's demographics or put in their information and say, um, and they're submitting a form that's then going over to that receiving practice for that referral. Yeah, talk about locking up a referral relationship. It's like, well, I'm not going to refer there. I, I've got a laptop or I've got a, a tablet right here. I'm just going to send them over that way. <laughs> exactly. Because it takes time to, to fill out paperwork and to fax it over and hope that it's received. And when you send a fax over, most of the time, those practices aren't getting a confirmation saying, hey, that fax was received. The patient's been contacted. The patient's been scheduled. There's some technology out there that's, I mean, affordable for that physician liaisons can use that, I mean, really build a platform for referring physicians to refer to your practice and make it a lot easier, save a lot of time and reduce. Um, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I think it's, I think it was around 30 or 40% of all referrals that are received either go untouched, uncontacted, or they contact the patient too late. Wow. That's amazing. And like you said, I mean, the more it's always people, whether it's in healthcare or anywhere else, always from a partnership perspective, go the direction of a path of least resistance. So the, the more fluid you can make it, the easier you can make it, the more likely you are to build a stronger relationship and receive a larger swath of those referral relationships for whatever specialty that you're in. Mm-hmm. And expand your network. I mean, these liaisons need to be connecting, which for me, Benjamin, we connected through LinkedIn through content because we both had a history in physician liaison marketing. We were both interested in growing our network. And as you talk about utilizing tools and resources, one of the big things I teach my physician liaisons is the importance of being connected with other physician liaisons. You don't even have to be in the same state. You don't need to be in the same program representing the same specialty, but how important do you think connecting with other physician liaisons, even having this conversation today, we said your journey started as a physician liaison I could relate a lot to how you began. And now here you are in healthcare IT on the other side of some of the pain points physician liaisons face and physicians about growing referrals, being strategic with their marketing, creating better resources and efficiency. But it's all because we've opened this conversation together. So do you have any advice out there too for other physician liaisons looking to connect and how they can better connect with you know, other liaisons in the field? Yeah, so one, don't be afraid to say hello and and right. reach out. So you've got to <laughs> you've got to take action. And then number 2, always be providing value. Don't be looking to take. The value will come if you provide enough value. So say hello and how can you provide value to that person? So like re- reaching out to another physician liaison, I would say nothing's more beneficial as a physician liaison to have two to three other physician liaisons sometimes in the same market, sometimes in different markets right. um, that you can kind of rely on and get together every so often to say, Hey, this is what's working. This is what's not working. This is what I've tried. Here are some ideas that I have. Has anyone ever um, done this before? Have a group of people that you can bounce ideas across and, and communicate with. That'd be a great resource for physician liaisons with LinkedIn and social media and how easy it is to find people. Um, I mean, you could find three or four physician liaisons in four hours on LinkedIn, um, but you need to not be afraid to go out there and reach out to them and say hello and then provide value to them. 
100%. And with Ben and I, we talked initially was about supporting each other too. You know, we didn't know each other's journeys or what we would need, but having someone in your field who understands your, what you've been through and you can reach out, like you said, it doesn't have to be in the same territory. It doesn't have to be anything like that. It's just having another physician liaison that you can bounce ideas off of, or just reach out and say, Hey, do you mind supporting this post? Or in your experience, have you ever done anything like X, Y, and Z. And I think that's really important. So I want to encourage any liaisons out there listening, take Ben's advice, utilize platforms like LinkedIn, like we did and connect and build these relationships as well as physicians be open to connecting with other physicians and liaisons and, and healthcare admins to improve these processes. But Ben, you have a great offer for our listeners today. So what is it and how do they get it? So every practice needs a HIPAA SRA done at least annually for their practice. HIPAA SRAs, if you've never done one before or if you've done them in the past, they're not fun. It's a lot of questions (laughs) and can sometimes cause a lot of confusion. We recommend that practices along with their HIPAA SRA also do kind of like an IT audit of their practice. And we call that an IT systems assessment. That's where we come in. We sit down with the practice administrator, anyone that's kind of touching the IT in the practice. We sit down with them. We dive into what's working, what's not working, what's your current state from an IT infrastructure, do you guys have any plans to scale, what does that look like? We go in, we gather all this information, we pull a lot of reports, we dive in and make sure that everything's running like it should, it's in a secure and stable state, but it's also scalable. And what we do, again, in that IT systems assessment, we recommend that that's done annually, but we're right now, we're providing that completely for free to anyone listening to this podcast. And we're also including a HIPAA SRA where we're paying a HIPAA SRA expert to come out and do a HIPAA SRA for your practice. To claim that, all you need to do is either one, visit our website, which is Systeem, which Systeem is spelled like system with two E's. So S-Y-S-T-E-E-M-medical.com. And you'll see offers all over our website on getting an IT systems assessment. Or you can call or text me. This is my direct number, and it's 469-573-4810. That number's on 24-7. So you can call or text that number and say, hey, I want an IT systems assessment for my practice. It, we're, the way that we're doing it right now with COVID, we're working with the practice on if they want us to come on site, we will. If they don't, we won't. But it requires about an hour's worth of time for the practice side. And we spend anywhere from 10 to 16 hours preparing and researching and reporting on your IT infrastructure. And we're including a HIPAA SRA with that as well. So that's fantastic. And we'll make sure to include that in the uh, links in the show notes too. So people can easily find it because that's a, a really great offer to take advantage of to me. It makes, makes a lot of sense to do yeah, that. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. And remember, you guys, if you want to connect with Ben or claim that offer to check the notes in the show notes that we have. And thank you, Justin, for joining us today. Yeah, it was great to be on. And thank you, Ben, for uh, taking some time out of your Friday to join us. And uh, we look forward to the value that all of our listeners are going to get out of uh, learning a little bit more on the liaison side and as well as the healthcare IT side. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And it's been great working with y'all. Thank you for listening to today's latest episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. Don't 
forget to subscribe and review on your favorite podcast platform. We are on Apple, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and Spotify, or you can sign up to receive the latest episode via email. Just check it out on my agency website or my personal website. And if you are looking for more amazing healthcare marketing information or just to engage, check us out at intrapea.com. And for any of my amazing physician liaisons out there interested in growing their physician referrals or learning the strategies that it takes to build highly engaged physician referral networks, check out my website, kellynot.com, where I have free webinars, free downloads, and of course, my online physician liaison training course, Physician Liaison University. And as always, I'm a huge believer in connecting, engaging, and supporting one another. And the best way we can do that is networking. And I always, always connect with you guys on social media. And one of my biggest social media platforms is LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me there on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter at Kelly Knott. And thank you guys again for listening to the Patient Convert Podcast with your host, Kelly Knott.